Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is February 7th. Uh, it's just here, Rodney and me. We're going to do a quick update. Our editor, Josie, is on vacation this week, so I am going to uh, be brushing up on my editing skills uh, in, in doing this video. I uh, want to remind everyone watching, uh, we, we've, I've been publishing a bit less my Lithium Bull newsletter, and we're going to be, we are making more videos and will be making more videos, but uh, increasingly, um, we uh, are, are, are giving our clients, um, you know, on Patreon and, and other paid customers, uh, you know, more of our, our, our mind share. We put a lot of information out there for free over many, many years. We will continue to do so, but I would strongly encourage you, if you like this video, you find it valuable, like, subscribe, look it up, look us up on, on Patreon. Uh, Rodney and I are hosting regularly kind of one-on-one -on -one and, and group conference calls um, with our Patreon sponsors where we share more of, um, uh, you know, than we do in, in these for free, you know, public videos. I see EV sales forecasts are higher than mine. I'm comfortable that ESS is going to have a big year by the looks of it above the consensus. I'm feeling more confident and we've seen prices stabilize in the China spot market and actually tick up in this last week, you know, unless there's some surprise supply of 70 to 80,000 tons of shortages here. A major Chinese, you know, lithium producer shared with me, the first thing out of his mouth was ESS, you know, in China and uh, don't under it, like it's going gangbusters. And so it's not just Tesla. No, mega it's huge. And my numbers are by 2030 are way higher than everyone else's, I think. ESS can compound at a much higher rate than EVs because EVs are going to, at some point, stabilize and growth is going to probably sort of head back to more like 20% demand growth, whereas ESS can go 50% plus for some time. The January scoreboards, there was a bit of a January effect. A January effect is, you know, stock prices kind of going up and in the U.S. capital markets, it was broadly positive in January. A lot of stocks in the EV space like Tesla and Rivian and QuantumScape have all performed very well. Uh, lithium as well. We, we talked about this at the end of last year. We had David Deckelbaum talking about deep lithium value. And you know the last six weeks of last year, there was a lot of tax loss selling and the like. And I think at the beginning of this year, you, you, this January effect might just be a funds flow kind of reallocation covering of shorts, you know, new inflows into this space. So not necessarily completely fundamentally driven, but the fundamentals of lithium are very strong. The fundamentals of a number of, uh, you know, EV companies are strong, but, um, you know, the scoreboard reflects, it's all green, almost all green, you know, in lithium uh, with many, many stocks up 20, 30%. In some cases, 100, you know, or or near 100% in the case of Patriot Battery Metals and Winsome Resources. So the, the Canada thematic and and broadly the the North American Lithium Triangle, which we have argued, uh, Rodney, for a long time, uh, being Quebec, Ontario, you know, Carolina, Hard Rock, uh, has very much become prominent within you know a sub theme within the you know lithium broad lithium theme in, in contrast to uh, you know the dle argentina and other um 
segments of the lithium market have had uh, greater days in the sun. The, all those stories are, are still good and fine, but there, there definitely seems to be a, a bias and, and a preference you know, for hard rock. That said, the big news um, since we last were talking with each other uh, is GM and Lithium Americas. I want to congratulate my friends at LAC uh, and GM actually for being so proactive and creative here and uh, we just had news overnight that uh, Judge Du uh, basically is is saying the record of decision is okay, uh, but she did kick it back to the Bureau of Land Management. Lithium America has put out uh, a press release today saying that the construction timeline is 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 still on target. It's not going to be affected by what seems almost a technicality. So I, I'm. It may not be a done done deal, but I believe the probability is very high. I believe Mary Barra and um, GM are very politically astute. I, I believe behind the scenes um, there have definitely been some lobbying or talks and assent. Uh, so I don't think it's a um, a coincidence that just one week after you know GM comes in, you know Judge Du, well, who, who knows, but. Lack combined with Ioneer getting a $700 million loan combined with Piedmont uh, restructuring their deal with Tesla, uh, you know, has been, uh, you know, a rich five weeks of news uh, of these American companies with strategic partners and, and government funders. You know, did Tesla miss a trick here, right? Because uh, I wrote in 2020 in the midst of COVID in May, one of my most popular newsletters was, you know, which lithium company might Tesla buy? And I put together all the arguments why it might be Lithium Americas. And here they are, you know, GM, who most Tesla people think is going to go bankrupt, <laughs> um, has, uh, you know, stolen a march here with, uh, you know, in, in my mind, it's very, uh, critically important because GM is becoming a miner here, right? That they are going to own equity in a company that mines, not just processes. And before they were just focusing on kind of like processing. So here you have a, a traditional auto OEM like Ford back in the day in the 1920s. And we predicted this would happen. What do you think of that? And, and where's Tesla? Like what's, what's going on? What's going to happen now? Yeah, look, I think uh, that's an interesting question, Howard, because um, if Tesla has a genuine ambition to compound at 50% sales going forward, um, and the Cybertruck will become part of that mix later in, the, in this year, supposedly, but that's more of an American play, then based on our research and discussions we've had, it's it's not it's unlikely that they've got that amount hedged. Certainly, even by 2025, I think they come up light. So encouraging that they are going to do their own hydroxide plant, encouraging that they're going to get feedstock from, from uh, Piedmont, and no doubt will do other deals, but scaling that's going to not be overnight. So fundamentally, they still need to get their material from third parties. That's unavoidable. Um, and if you look at that, and if you look at likely the contracts signed by incumbents and where they're at, there isn't much left. Now, is GM stealing a march on them because they've done that deal with Lavent? Now they've done this deal. 
Ford's done the deal with Liontown. Where is this leaving Tesla now? So I think, you know, other than maybe CATL having a trick up its sleeve and mining in Africa or what have you, and possibly supplying sales to Tesla, which I don't know if that necessarily makes commercial sense now that the IRA has got that phenomenal incentive of $35 per kilowatt hour at the cell level and then another 10 at the packed level. So essentially the read-through, how it is, I, I don't think you can wring any more lithium out of the incumbents and you've already had Albemarle sort of indicating lower and, and you know, numbers and, and, and some of the other guys not uh, ramping new projects as quickly as possible means they need a developer. And logically, you would think, given that the US is going to be the fastest growing EV market, not by volume, but by growth, that they need a development company. I, I guess, logically, if they want to expand the hydroxide plant beyond that, then they need a spodumen play or they need an, an all-in uh, integrated you know, producer in North America. So that leaves you know, developers. You know, does that mean Canada? Quite possibly, um, or um, or hoping that uh, Piedmont gets permitting in North Carolina soon, and possibly, I don't know where Albemarle, who they promised, and then and then getting some of that material. So to your question, I think Tesla's you know, up against it a little bit now. I, I don't think that they can get that supply from incumbents and. Some of the near-term developers have signed contracts away that the core deal, if I remember, fell through between them. So who are they going to sign up with? Um, that's a question. Yeah, well, GM is uh, focused on LAC now, and LAC is talking about kind of end 2026 production. Um I mean, GM's going to scale post 25. So they've got Livent and now they've got this. So they're really only going to aggressively do it, whereas, whereas Tesla's sort of trying to grow at 50% per year every year and then right. not have a, a quantum leap like, like GM is. So they have more of an urgency, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they need it now. Uh, they are getting it from the incumbents to a degree, but... Albemarle has rejiggered a lot of their contracts. And um, David Deckerbaum at Cowan put out an interesting note on Livent, you know, uh, basically saying he likes that share, thinks it has a lot of upside because he thinks price contracts could be substantially renegotiated in the way that Albemarle did. Tesla has no power, right? That they don't own any resource, right? They're wholly dependent on their suppliers, right? And the, the long term contracts are are being rejiggered, you know, in um, at much, much higher prices. I think Joe Lowry put up some statistic, uh, you know, the Japanese price was very low. It was like 12,000 or 14,000 or something compared to like 60,000, you know, spot. But th those Japanese prices, I guess, are Panasonic. I don't know if that's live end, but those yeah, are going so to ship. His tweet was, was $12 a kilo at the beginning of 22 and $63 a kilo by the end. So the pricing is almost reset to, to spot or not far behind spot as, as those um, 
contracts come through. But again, it, it depends on who those are and, and where it is. But if you, you look at the Albemarle presentation, most of the, there's maybe a lag of a quarter or whatever, but a lot of stuff is now going to be aligned much closer to spot. I, I took a one and a half minute snippet from the Tesla earnings call. Uh, we've been keeping track of how many times he says lithium in all of these calls. In this call, it was much less. It was like four or five times. However, Elon and Drew Baglino like talked about the impact, you know, to their cost of goods sold of high lithium prices. And, you know, they talked about to some degree commodity prices, you know, going down, but not lithium, right? Like overall the supply chain disruption and the, but lithium remains a main conundrum for for Tesla. And that's going to be a problem, you know, for, for some time to come. And COGS per unit has increased on a year-over-year -year basis, driven primarily by three factors. First is raw materials and inflation led by lithium prices and discussed at length in previous calls. How much time do you think it takes you to get back to this kind of 36K? Is that something we, we can hope to see this year or is that too, too optimistic? You know, on the raw materials and inflation side, where lithium is the large driver there, and this was a meaningful source of cost increase for us, you know, we'll have to see where lithium prices go. And you know, we're not fully exposed to lithium prices, but I think in general, it's what we've seen from our forecast here. Um, cost per car of lithium in 2023 will be higher than 2022. So you know, that's, that's a headwind that would have to be overcome to return back to those levels. I don't think we'll get there this year, but I think we'll make progress. And we'll continue to find ways to offset these raw material costs that we don't have control over. Look at where lithium prices are at. You look at the forward curve, you hear people speaking. I don't understand. Look at you know critical elements that has now got the permitting and is in discussions about people haggling about what they're going to pay to buy into that project to secure offtake when you know your your spot price is whatever sixty five thousand dollars a ton. So you know what what if you were to pay X for a stake in that or Cinevec or whatever. And I'm using that as an example because it's funded, it's it's permitted and ready to go. Explain to me if you can get long-term spodumen at whatever it is, a thousand or fifteen hundred or whatever, paying up whatever you do, or whatever number you do, that then you, you could put a tolling margin on that and work out what your lithium's at. And you, you're likely to be, I don't, I mean, I don't know, and I'm 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 taking it off the top of my head, but you you're definitely going to be sub $20,000 a ton. Why in God's name are they, is someone not stepping up and buying into that? That's permitted. That's ready to go. You yeah. just got to put the check in. You know, everyone has had a bit of a poo-poo about, you know, where is GM and they don't really sell that many or whatever, but they are making moves to be a meaningful player by 2030. Ford, it's interesting. You saw Stellantis wrote a check into Vulcan, like 50 million euro. You now see GM. And and you had Ford uh, with Liontown, you know, eventually will write a 300 million Aussie check. Those are like the big three U.S. automakers, right? You know, where are the Europeans? Where are the Japanese? Where are the Koreans with checks? Like the, the U.S. has moved, is moving. Yeah, I mean, again, that that's the interesting part, you know, with the cell manufacturers and the South Koreans. So... We'll have to see, but I'm saying the economics seems to make sense. Are these guys, you know, the the 
you know, pushing, are they the new frontier to now be buying into lithium projects and becoming miners? Is this going to now, is that what it takes? Does that now separate you from the rest of the pack that you're prepared to do that and now go and secure your material? No, I, I hope so. We, we thought big oil might come in and big oil is making like kind of record profits. It's like eye popping, I think, you know, 25, 40 billion, you know, annual profit. Right. Um, but they're buying back shares. They're doing dividends. And there's a dichotomy between like Exxon, you know, Shell, I think, and BP are basically saying our renewables investments are low return. So um, I'm not sure how keen we'll see if big oil kind of comes in here. Like you've had Coke come in, you know, on the, on the direct lithium extraction, you know, type of thing. But um, I'm not convinced that the oil companies are going to come in uh, and be the players. Um, you know, where's Rio Tinto, uh, you know, and BHP into some hard rock. There's been some speculation that Minres might come on the share register to Patriot. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I must say, I would have thought that uh, Minres would, you know, there are a lot of uh, hard rock projects popping up in Western Australia. I would have thought, I mean, I understand, I, I guess, or maybe I don't understand, you know, how tight labor is, or is there a limitation to how much Minres under Chris Edison can actually mine in Western Australia? Is there a shortage of equipment, staff? whatever, that maybe he needs to look abroad to do it. I think if you want to get into the the North American market and the IRA, then, you know, we've seen Australian miners, you know, the Cam and, and guys, you know, the Primera, whatever, Cam Henry and them and, and Green Tech and so on. You've got, um, you know, Chris Evans in, in Winsome and the guys in, in Patriot or whatever are Australian you know, is is Minres going to follow the Australians getting involved there? Um, I guess they all know each other. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I, as a shareholder in Minres um, and a big believer. I, I he doesn't overpay, and um, I think this this thing has kind of run uh, a lot. Patriot, I think it's a great asset, and I, I just think he, he's more likely to partner with the the next one and he, almost everything that he has is in the western australian backyard i think he has a small very small stake in some canadian um asset but for him to kind of go big into quebec it's not, it, everything he does comes from the mine servicing contracting first and i don't see him doing mine service contracting you, you know in quebec like just building that from scratch that's it, it, there may be tight labor in Western Australia, but he knows that market. There's tight labor in Quebec also, um, and dealing with the with the French cultural differences. I think it would be. I'm not. I'm not convinced. And if he were to do something more in Quebec, I just think it would be earlier stage. Uh, I think this global lithium thing is much more investment in that, uh, much more up his for sure. That's sweet spot. For sure, that is likely to anchor. To anchor something, my, my, my guess is um, he definitely has an ambition to to do the mining contracting. I think there. I think just on the on the Canadian thing, you know, I I don't know the you know the rumor mill there, but having chatted to guys at the benchmark conference and looking at it in that James Bay area, it's a highly prospective region, um, and the guys said they expect. 
consolidation there. So, um, you know, we've seen critical elements go through. We've seen James Bay get the uh, government approval. Now they need, is, it, is that right? Provincial? No. Uh, they got approval. one of the two, but they, they need the other. And we knew it took 15 months or so with, uh, with critical elements. So hopefully it won't take as long for James Bay, but you can get things permitted in Quebec. Namask is permitted. Um, and, and I guess that's my point is we need to see in the same way that GM going in with lack and hopefully that encourages or whatever. The stumbling block here in North America, I think now that the RA, people can see you get the subsidies for local content and so on. Um, and, and you're getting these decent uh, tax credits and breaks and input costs and what have you is now is the time. I think that the message of you need to permit is now landing in both Canada and and uh, in the States. Um, and then the other thing that they have, which is great in Canada, is flow through financing, which really is very supportive of exploration. So, you know, you can essentially almost raise, you know, your equity at double the price and uh, and really give it a go at the exploration level. So um, it's a highly prospective region. I, I, I don't know to what extent they can build out uh, a downstream chemical conversion process. I think that can happen in the States. Um, and uh, we'll see who who wants to play in it. As you say, I mean, it's an interesting one. Would it be Australians getting involved, you know, in Canada? I don't, I, I don't know. Someone late last year, early this year, like we were just talking with some friends and they're like, oh, you know, all the high grade brines in Argentina are taken. So you have to go after low grade brines, um, you know, with using DLE to make them economic, like, or in the US or, or, you know, there's lots of clay. There's, I don't know, again, Peter Epstein, I think is keeping track of 40 different clay opportunities. But the reality is um, lithium is, is everywhere, right? Theoretically, it's not rare. Um, there hasn't been a lot of exploration in a lot of different locations for, you know, spodumene deposits. So if you could find more world-class deposits, like Liontown a couple of years ago, Kidman a couple of years before that, you know, now Patriot, you know, Winsome, like why wouldn't you want to like be discovering, you know, new world-class deposits in tier one jurisdictions and, and you can bring those things on to, to market a lot faster. I mean, Lithium America's in, in Kachari Olaraz, was fully funded, okay, in January of 2017 with Ganfeng and Bangcheck. Okay, it's now six years later, and they're going to have first production later this year, and it's not going to be battery grade. So, like, and that's the only new brine coming on stream after, you know, Alchem, you know, and Liven hasn't expanded, right? Other than other than SQM aggressively ramping up and nobody thought that they could, you know, in 2018, that they would be able to get to 150,000 tons, you know, before 2025, they actually did it. Um, in your models, you said, you think that maybe they can get to 220, um, but beyond that, you know, it's gonna be a, a, a tough, you know, road to hoe. But um, I just think that the speed with which spodumene moves 
uh, and can be brought to market. And you've said it before, there's lots of Chinese conversion capacity. Like as a, you know, no, no one's really talking about life cycle assessments and, and carbon footprint, you know, uh, too much in the last kind of six or nine months. You know, the talk is about DSO going to China, like the dirtiest way to like get lithium units. Everyone's kind of like, seem to have forgotten, you know, this. Um, clearly we need conversion capacity. Tesla's building it locally, but, um, you know, we, we, we've placed a, a lot of our business and our bets on, you know, hard rock in Canada, you know, in Western Australia, in Africa, in the United States. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, in Brazil, you know, and there should be more sigmas, you know, coming out of there, I think. Um, anyway. Look, we've seen What's a lot of new listings uh, with guys who, whatever, neurology, whatever you want to call it, near these new successes. And, and the truth is there may well be quite a few new successes coming from those because you can see the anomalies continue and what have you. And I wrote about it, I think, in 2018 or 19, where I essentially showed all the world's largest hard rock deposits and they've all spoken for and I said, you know, I guess 50 million plus would, 50 million plus deposits would, would be, you know, the future where, where that would fill the gap. Uh, some guys think it can be even less. I mean, if it's going to be DMS, you can certainly get up and running and make it very profitable with less. So we're going to see those.